TheOAMNetwork.com. Power to the podcast. When I was younger, like up until about, this was probably up until third grade, somewhere in elementary school, I was really germaphobic, like to the point of OCD where I'd wash my hands a hundred times a day. And psychologically, I stopped worrying about it one day because a dog threw up in my mouth. (laughs) It was a tiny, what? It was a tiny puppy that... Uh, that we had uh, just showed up at the house one day. We were just taking care of it. Really small puppy, some kind of teacup dog. <laughs> Street dog. And, yeah. Out. Yes. And I was, uh, I was just holding her because it's adorable dog. I was a kid. I love dogs. And I'm just like holding her up like you do with a baby. And then she just puked right in my mouth. And your mouth was open because yeah. you were expressing joy. Yes, because I was like talking baby talk to a dog, and then blah, like right down the gullet. And oh, it went down the gullet. Yeah. Because this was a little dog. It was not, a, it was like just a bullet of dog puke that just went, <laughs> went right down. And just ever since then, I'm like, well, like I survived that because I was freaking out at the time. But the next day, I was like, well, I survived that. And I'm like, germs, if that didn't kill me, I'm okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to, you know, get sick from a doorknob if a dog can vomit into me. <laughs> this explains your, uh, your paleo. Uh, <laughs> your paleo uh, medicinal yeah <laughs> just waiting until something kills you yeah exactly my universal five second rule for everything <laughs> welcome to Dr. Heckle the science communication podcast that uses a microphone check one two what is this that five-foot assassin with the roughneck business. I float like gravity, never had a cavity, got more rhymes than the winnings got family. On today's episode, brain volume changes after spaceflight, hard science fiction, and failing to touch Sean Penn. Welcome to Dr. Heckle, the science communication podcast that has scientifically proven that the winners of the World Series this year will be anyone who isn't watching the games. With me on the show today with an almost completed herbalism certificate from Heart of Herbs and applying to University of Memphis next year, Heather C. Hello. Welcome to the show. And with a partially completed writing and directing certificate from Watkins College of Art and Design in Nashville, Charlie McMullen. Welcome back for your third outing just 27 more credits <laughs> it's all i need and of course co-host and actual phd holder niraj trevetti hello so uh I, I i apologize for how terrible i sound today recovering from a little head cold i'm enjoying it very much are you just apologizing for today just apologizing for today not apologizing for <laughs> the, how my the rest sound. of the podcast i apologize <laughs> 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 for the past year of every, everything we've put out. You signed up for this, you know. <laughs> when you subscribed, you signed up for this. <laughs> but today in particular. Yeah, as long as we're apologizing for shit, let's just turn the bag upside down. <laughs> so, uh, Charlie, what uh, what comedy, since you've last been on the show in the past uh, two, three months, uh, have you got to apologize for? Uh, well, I, as of uh, when this is probably going to air, uh, it might have come out, but the You Look Like web series on the LOL network, I've, I, I said some very inflammatory things that a lot of people are going to probably be upset with. Uh, are you I'm preparing very, your Twitter feed? Uh, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to it. Because <laughs> it, uh, it is a very like uh, wonderfully un-PC show concept. 
Yeah, it's it, it's a roast battle that focuses solely on physical appearance, <laughs> <laughs> which I have always admired. Face to face, yeah, in 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 each other's faces. <laughs> Treat yourself when it comes out. It's the you look like it'll be on the LOL network. Uh, find him. Also in the developing stages of a sketch comedy show called Team Chaos with Dr. Heckle producer Hunter Sandlin. He and I and a, and a few others. He's shrugging his shoulders over yeah. there, but, I, but that <laughs> is his signs of, <laughs> sign of affirmation. Oh, uh, yeah. So, uh, well, what, what's that going to be? Uh, that's going to be uh, live performance and short film. Oh, cool. Very, very cool. Looking so, forward to that. There, it's Developing stages don't have a lot to say about it yet, but we are really going to see how far we can go. <laughs> so, uh, have you, th- you thought about a venue yet for, for that show? I haven't thought venues. It's going to have to be a, a place that people can run from without hurting themselves. Because <laughs> you don't want to add insult to injury. That's just that's just cruel. <laughs> so, um, when you were uh, working on the um, "You Look Like" web series, mm-hmm. uh, can you tell us a little bit about that experience in like the writing and performing context because it was an insane couple of days i wasn't uh, i wasn't there but i heard a lot about it it's uh, still one of the most rewarding uh, professional things i've ever done because uh, over three days with uh, craig brewer we shot uh, 10 episodes back to back to back with a studio uh, with a couple different studio audiences that we just kind of rotated and while the people uh, were performing saying horrific things to each other that everybody laughs at. They'll do that for five minutes. And then both people will just run to the back where giant cue cards were spread out on the pool table in the bar that we were shooting at and just start writing jokes for other people. Like, everybody was writing for each other, like, propping each other up, like, making everybody look good. I really liked it. There were 16 comics, uh, like, performers and writers in total. That's great. <laughs> great stuff. Who, who would you say... Uh, who would you say surprised you and how well they did? Um, I was has has Casey Shornima been on the show? She's been on the Before. show. She was second episode. She was a big surprise because when I started doing the the monthly you look like shows in uh, live in Memphis, I uh, like I got the record for most victories, and I'm like someone's going to be coming for me, and it was a big surprise for it to be her because she started racking them up like she is very savage because she she can say terrible things but they're presented from like an adorable package. You know what I mean? <laughs> So it's hard to hard to get upset. And now she is uh, she's in Colombia with Nick correct. with Nick Cox. Yes, <laughs> presumably uh, laying claim to the Medellin comedy scene, much as Pablo Escobar laid claim to the Medellin. Yeah, with no less bloodshed, probably with no less bloodshed. <laughs> now, he- now Heather. Yes. <laughs> Uh, you are the uh, owner-operator of Two Rivers Bookstore. I am, yes. Uh, a fantasy slash sci-fi bookstore. Uh, and horror, because we had to have vampires. So ah. Very important. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the, the business, uh, you know, its place in Cooper Young, and really, like, uh, what, it, what it's like to, you know, be a bookstore operator? Sure. Um, being a bookstore owner is joining a club, a very depressed anxious introverted people 
who are all broke. <laughs> so I fit in very well. Uh, and uh, But it's a great store. It's the only store in Memphis that focuses specifically on sci-fi, fantasy, and horror. So people know when they come in that uh, we'll actually be able to give them recommendations, that we're actually really into everything that we sell. We sell new books. We, sell our, we specialize in classic books. So we have those really cool, um, like, 50s through 70s sci-fi, fantasy, and horror paperbacks with all the great artwork based on paintings mm-hmm. um, with, like, the, uh, you know, big muscly men and dragons <laughs> and scantily clad aliens. <laughs> Trying to get that Philip K. Dick. <laughs> <laughs> also, a lot, I found, um, I think that I found the Origin of Furries, which was 1970s sci-fi paperbacks. Because oh, wow. there are so many like sexy animals on the cover, <laughs> <laughs> it was apparently very common. Uh, and we also have a gift shop, so we uh, specialize in local and handmade gifts and artwork from local people that we rotate on a regular basis. That's great. Uh, I, I've spotted some Elrond Hubbard in there as well. <laughs> yeah, I, it's uh, heavily discounted. <laughs> it was a donation to the store on the day that I opened, and I've sold one of the Elrond Hubbard oh, wow, books yeah. since I opened. Because it was it was still there when I looked. <laughs> yeah, they're I mean they're big, beautiful books in great condition with pretty incredible artwork. But I think I have them at like four dollars each. <laughs> and the one copy was mistakenly bought by somebody on a diet who thought it said diuretics. <laughs> <laughs> so uh there's ob- so science fiction obviously uh, mm-hmm. there's there's various forms i uh i did a little bit of delving uh and you know into i guess the terminology mm-hmm. hard science fiction versus mm-hmm. soft science fiction which i've right. not really thought about too much uh would you like to uh do you know the origin of hard science fiction or, or one of I can't say that I know the origin, but yeah, I mean, there's hard science fiction is often um, a little drier. It's not going to be based on like a grand romance, for Mm -hmm. instance, which a lighter sci-fi could be. Um, And they they focus a lot more on the science, the technology, the robots, the spaceships. Uh, There's a, you know, space opera, which Mm -hmm. would be something like Firefly, which people are more familiar with would be like that in TV form. Uh, And then... You know, uh, I actually keep all my books together, like the sci-fi and fantasy and horror, because there's actually so much overlap in the genres that it's really hard to know where to draw the Mm -hmm. line because you have things where there's magic in space. Right. It's pretty common. So so, uh, from my Googling, uh, (laughs) where the line is drawn is with hard science fiction, it's uh, basically anything where based on current known current knowledge mm-hmm. uh, it's it's very scientific yeah they so, try to be correct in it so you can have you know things like i, I guess you can have things like teleportation or you know uh mind control mm-hmm. advanced robotics so long as it, it follows the current laws of physics that are you know they can you can invent i guess right further things but it has to you know fit into with the current laws of physics and biology and chemistry and like whatever. star trek like, yeah, I like was, hard, yeah, Star hard Trek. Sci-fi, yeah, hard sci-fi might focus on the laws of robotics, whereas mm-hmm. soft sci-fi will have that adorable Rolly guy from Star Wars, <laughs> <Yes>. BB-8. <laughs> so uh, Arthur C. Clarke is one of the mm-hmm. main hard sci-fi, hard sci-fi authors, but the origin is supposed to be uh, Jules Verne. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. Who uh, you know, twenty thousand leagues under the sea mm-hmm. with the uh, basically. Uh, 
predicting the advent of submarines. Right. And, uh, of course, around the world in 80 days, which, uh, what do you associate with Phileas uh, Fogg, uh, Charlie, from around the world in 80 days? Uh, a lot of, like, steampunk enthusiasts who I got along <laughs> with, who I got along with as people, but still didn't want to go to their parties. <laughs> I was uh, we call them the sepia goths. Sure. Yeah. I, that makes sense. I was hoping for the life of me you would say hot air balloon. Uh, because well, yeah, an airship. Up until uh, today, I did not know that there is no hot air balloon in around the world in 80 days. That I, <laughs> Even though it's on, it's it's on, on a lot yeah. of the covers yeah. of it, there it's, is no hot air balloon in around the world in 80 days. Yeah. So uh, I have to admit that I haven't read that, but what I read was a 1970s sci-fi novel called The Curious Case of Phineas Fogg, I think. Mm -hmm. And it was uh, a retelling of that, but it was supposed to be a little weird fiction-y, but it was actually just completely terrible. But oh. I've never actually read the original source material, but it had a great, a great cover with the main character, but he had like tentacles instead of arms. So I, think that, I think that's hard sci-fi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's accurate. I actually worked uh, special effects and set design ones for a live production of Dracula that used the steampunk aesthetic. Uh, so I've got I have a, a problem with that. I've got a few axes to grind <laughs> as well. <laughs> I'm, I'm not okay with that as a lover of vampires. <laughs> and a hater of steampunk? Or? No, no, I don't hate steampunk at all. I just don't want just it don't mixed want... in with my vampires. <laughs> I did build like a big goofy steampunk looking blood transfusion machine that worked on stage. I <laughs> okay, was pretty proud of cool. that. Yeah. <laughs> when you say that worked on stage, yeah, a blood transfusion like, machine. Like the, the actor that was playing uh, Dr. Uh, Harker had a bag of blood hidden in his costume with like a spout. And the actor playing Van Helsing took out the machine from his big weird bag, put it <laughs> next to the bed where Lucy's laying, if you're familiar with Dracula. And uh, there was a receiving bag. Uh, away from the audience on the side of the bed. So when he hooked up the tubes and started cranking the motor inside, it pulled the blood, the fake blood out of the actor and went through these clear tubes. Audience is amazed and then went, looked like it was going into the girl lying down. That's great. It was great. I used one of those uh, non-mechanical siphoning motors that you use to put gas in boats. It's <laughs> <laughs> literally what it was. You have led... a. I can't figure you out. I've lived a few lives. Sure. You've lived a few lives in your time. Yeah, I think you should just answer the rest of the questions about my store. <laughs> Help us keep the lights on. Go to theoamnetwork.com slash donate. Welcome back to the Dr. Heckle podcast. We move on to our news item of the week. Today's article comes from the British newspaper, The Daily Mail. And the title of the article is No Gwinny Vaginal Jade Eggs <laughs> Were Not Used in Ancient China <laughs> Okay, so clearly Anti-Goop Doctor Publishes study Disproving the claim That the $66 product Is age-old medicine <laughs> <laughs> So the editor was like Can you give it The most British title ever? <laughs> so, I think to be more British It would have to have The word fanny in it, right? Yeah. I'm, sure, I'm sure it appears in the article itself a number of times. <laughs> so uh, this is the story that um, in 2017, Gwyneth Paltrow's site Goop controversially promoted jade eggs mm. uh, for feminine health to improve the pelvic floor uh, and claimed it was a practice in ancient China. And because of that, 
uh, an OBGYN doctor and an archaeologist <laughs> combined analyzing 5,000 jade objects from major ancient Chinese collections and found zero evidence that they were ever used that way. Shocking. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, the article says, moral of the story, oh, the doctor, uh, Dr. Sarah Park- Parkak said, moral of the story, don't stick anything where it doesn't belong. <laughs> uh so any comment first of all (laughs) well i mean speaking of sticking stuff where it doesn't belong i'm sure the archaeologist and the obgyn had some stories to share yeah (laughs) i think so i actually read part of this how do you get stuff out (laughs) i actually read part of this this morning and the most disturbing thing was learning that jade is porous so if left too long bacteria could grow and you could get vaginosis from your Gwyneth approved uh, egg. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> Why is goop still a thing? It, Why is it called goop? It's horrifying. Went from the, the kitchen table to... Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it, it's pretty bizarre. In the past, this same brand has been criticized for uh, other things. Uh, do, oh, yeah. do you remember? Vaginal steaming. Vag- that's one of them. Which... Completely unnecessary, people with vaginas. You don't need to do that. Don't need to steam them. Uh, well, well, how do you get the wrinkles out? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, and a... On the go. <laughs> <laughs> now introducing the travel steamer. <laughs> uh, and uh, the brand's coffee enema kit. <laughs> Oh yeah, but that's that's actually been around for much longer than Gwyneth. That's, oh Jesus! I worked at natural product stores for a long time, <laughs> and customers love to tell me about their coffee enemas. So now I've never tried it, so I'm not going to say it doesn't work. But I've never been that tired. <laughs> like I've never been drinking coffee and be like, "Is there a better way?" You I mi- might as well just pour this up my ass if it's going <laughs> to take this long. <laughs> Well, You've never been in a teetotal fraternity? <laughs> so, have you ever heard the term boofing? <laughs> I did recently. Yeah. All right. It's a drinking game, right? It's a drinking game. Right, yeah. <laughs> Harmless fun. Well, um, not, not just that. The brand was also criticized for uh, promoting a product called Body Vibes that was just a sticker that they... Uh, you applied to your skin that they said contains NASA space suit material oh to rebalance your energy. And uh, NASA commented saying, we have no idea what that, <laughs> what that means. Uh, yeah. I don't think anyone like edits that site or like, I think there's lots of people putting stuff on there and no one in charge. Cause it's crazy. If you actually look at it, and they charge like, Stupid amounts, right? It's just I know, unashamedly. That's, that's what makes like, me sick. Is they make so yeah. much money so, off of yeah, it. Yeah, there is no there is no scientific basis to to anything that anything they're that they're, they're yeah. promoting. Yeah. Uh, some well, of I some of it, it is work. kind of just harmless. Uh, you know, it basically harmless snake oil sale uh, selling. So right. uh, there's a new product that I looked on the website uh, that they're selling called Ma- they call it Madam Ovary. <laughs> which i actually that's the best name i think ever. it's madam ovary yeah, i think it's a great name and it's pi- speaking of opera it's pills uh, for women to take who are uh, dealing with menopause hmm. but actually uh, you just you, 
you look at the ingredients, it's it's just a multivitamin yeah. being sold for seventy five dollars. Uh, you know, a, a multivitamin treatment or whatever sold for seventy five dollars a time. Uh, when you can pick it up, at I the think store I might front. buy that. Yeah. The name is so good. I That's think it's what worth $75. <laughs> like if, you, if you look at their sales, a big portion of that is buying it for the name. Yeah. I, I do not have I, ovaries. I will never experience menopause. I want to buy some because yeah. of the name. <laughs> I want to support whoever came up with that name. Yes. And I know it wasn't Gwyneth. No. Uh, now, uh, un- unfortunately... I, re- I wanted to dig in a bit uh, a bit deeper, and I listened to I'm so sorry <laughs> the uh, so so Goop the the site has a podcast. Oh uh, my gosh! Yeah, and uh, I think I figured out why right wingers exist. <laughs> uh, never has. Uh, I would love it if it were called getting goopy with Gwyneth. <laughs> Never has less been said in more words uh, than this podcast. Uh, what's it called? It's it's called the Goop Podcast. Oh, okay. Uh, and it, I listened to an episode where uh, the CFO interviewed Gwyneth Paltrow, and I listened to an hour of this while I was writing the show notes. Thank you for your service. And. Uh, I think we are all doomed. It, within the first 10... So, adjectives used in the wrong context, saying how they were feeling opaque, you know. Uh, uh, within the first 10 minutes of the episode, she had taken credit for yoga. Wow. <laughs> wow. And, ma- and making yoga popular, or saying that when she started doing yoga, it was not popular. I'll have you know... That but you founded this company in 2008. I can tell you, back in 2002, 2003, my mother was going was going to yoga. How dare you yeah. take credit? I think my I people were doing yoga exactly a long time ago. Yeah. I thought doing a third I, Iron I'm Man. Not, movie. I'm not saying my mother should take credit for yoga either. I'm saying it shouldn't be Gwyneth Paltrow. I thought doing a third Iron Man movie took a lot of balls. <laughs> you can see why Chris Martin left though. <laughs> That's cold, player. <laughs> uh, it was the eggs. He's like, I can't. So I can't deal with this shit anymore. So, so <laughs> I, I'm taking apple and martini with me. Oh God. I wrote. A, I forgot about that. I wrote a joke about uh, about that uh, that I I wasn't sure if I'm going to say it, but I may cut it out of this episode. <laughs> okay. Uh, relating to the uh, vaginal jade eggs, uh, because Gwyneth Paltrow was obviously married to Chris Martin for Coldplay so there might be something in it because she's probably used to knowing what's good for a <laughs> <laughs> you should keep that in <laughs> sing <laughs> oh dear uh, but but yeah the point is that uh, that uh, actually this is uh, this is not the journalism being wrong in this case this is completely Gwyneth Paltrow and her company Goop promoting pseudoscience and mm-hmm. fortunately journalists in this context are consistently bringing it, bringing it up uh, this Daily Mail article mentioned it the BBC interviewed her recently and basically tackled her on claim, uh, claims that everything uh, being promoted uh, is pseudoscience uh, what did she say? well she obviously refuted rejected and refuted it but i think it's very clear to uh, to people that uh, the benefits of these products uh, are um that she's that she is touting and not backed up in fact and actually regulators i think within at least within the uk uh now are going to require to her to have a scientific basis behind any claims 
made, she was already fined $145,000 for uh, promoting baseless advice in the first court action against her. I hate to make this political, but she's basically the Trump of the cosmetic world. <laughs> she just puts out like nonsense and she kind counts of is, on us. Yeah. She, she's counts probably on more people. the Steve Bannon of the cosmetic <laughs> world. Maybe, yeah. Really gets really passionate about wrong information. And also works in Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> that's That would be my message for celebrities. Because, I mean, usually being dumb is harmless. Like, she can name her baby Apple and it's not hurting anybody else. Except the baby, I guess. <laughs> like, we're trying to get through a job interview with that kind of shit. But, I mean, when you start getting into, like, body treatments, when people believe whatever you say, you have to be responsible about what you say. Yeah, uh, absolutely, absolutely. And if people are getting medically affected by shit like that, then you and there, there, there is a chance, at least with some of the products, that that would be the case. And so it's quite obvious that Gwyneth Paltrow and her company are consciously uncoupled from the scientific process. And for that, this week we dub Goop <laughs> fake news. <laughs> I don't even think she's ever played a doctor on TV. <laughs> Let Ohm help you get the word out on your service, product, or endeavor. Email info at theoamnetwork.com. Welcome back for our final section, where we take a journal article, explain it to our guests, and have them ruminate upon that knowledge and explain it back to myself and Naraj here. Today's article is actually a piece of correspondence from the New England Journal of Medicine, uh, Angelique von Ombergen at the University of Antwerp was the uh, lead author on this. And it's called Brain Tissue Volume Changes in Cosmonauts. So, uh, keeping up with, the Russia, with Russia here, what do, you th- what do you think that is going to be from the uh, title alone? Brain Tissue Volume Changes in Cosmonauts. I'm assuming that has to do with the effect of the, the different gravity in space. Mm-hmm. Um, how it affects... All kinds of things in your body, but yeah, it uh, yeah changes where fluids go and like mm-hmm. the stuff to your bones. <laughs> well, not good on the details, but oh, you know, let's get <laughs> let's get details. What do you think, yeah. Charlie? Uh, in a perfect world, it would uh, be a study that found some sort of link between space travel and unlocking the eighty-five to ninety percent <laughs> of our brain that's not used. You know, that's a myth. Yeah. <laughs> well. It's, it's our brain that's telling it's a, us it's a myth, so, you know, that's bias. Uh, so, this is, yes, this is the study of uh, cosmonauts' uh, long-term, uh, long-term follow-up after they had returned from an average of six months in space. So, uh, long-term space flight has been known to have detrimental mm-hmm. effects on the body, particularly uh, vision. Uh, there's been ocular problems for, for many people. Uh, you know, people who have come, returned from space. Uh, that's well reported. There's also a uh, a shift in, you know, other, um, you know, a shift in, in other biological processes. For instance, Scott Kelly, when he returned, uh, had a shift in his gene expression and they knew, uh, they knew that it was due to space flight because they compared him to his twin who stayed on Earth. Uh, and so they measured their gene expression beforehand and then they measured them afterwards and there was a change. So there's, there's now, a, what what is a gene expression? So, so like, what does it consist of? It's basically uh, it, the the amount your proteins are being produced in your cells, uh, and so there w- there was a change based on uh, when he arrived back from from space. 
so we know that there are changes that are occurring due to the gravitational environment or due, just due to being in space. Uh, but this group wanted to study uh, for the first time basically what was what was going to happen to the the brain matter, the grey matter, the white matter, etc., the uh, cerebral spinal fluid. Was uh, did the study find like a a loss in brain tissue or? Well, so they so they measure them all beforehand, yeah, mm-hmm. as you would have to, uh, and uh, they did magnetic resonance imaging, and then also um, they used voxel-based uh, morphometry, which is basically a, a very detailed, basically a very detailed way of looking uh, at the brain to see, so you can see whether there's gains and losses in certain areas. So they had uh, ten course cosmonauts for the f- three uh, pre-flight time points and then uh short-term post-flight they looked at uh, at these uh, cosmonauts and then long-term which was about seven months after uh, they'd landed so the the short term was about nine days after they were back was the average uh, and seven months in the long term so the data here is the gray matter volume post-flight compared to pre-flight showed a widespread decre- uh, decrease in orbitofrontal and temporal cortexes, uh, the maximal decrease was 3.3% in uh, one of these regions called the right middle temporal gyrus. And uh, the interesting thing, though, being long-term, most of those gray matter reductions had recovered to the pre-flight levels. So uh, most of the gray matter... Within nine days, you said? No, uh, from the nine-day time point to the seven-month time point. So there was a reduction in gray matter volume... Uh, and then that mostly disappeared um, in the long-term follow-up. However, uh, for white matter, uh, there was a total reduction in the, uh, the volume in the long-term follow-up. So uh, basically, the, so the gray matter is mostly cell bodies of the neurons, uh, and the white matter is, is mostly these projections. So if you think, if you think about uh, the gray matter just being like the lumps, mm. every, every, all your neurons lumped in there, White matter, you know, a lot of its function is, say, to connect different regions of the brain, yeah. brain to, to one another. It's, yeah, wi- it's the communication. Yeah. So uh, okay. they have a yeah. So they have a significant, uh, a significantly lower volume of white matter uh, after returning from spaceflight in the long term. So that could be a uh, a worry, and mm. also. Uh, is data that could be used to explain any cognitive problems that um, astronauts, cosmonauts might have when they come back. Uh, They also found that cerebrospinal fluid volumes of the cerebral hemispheres and ventricles uh, increased in the short term. Uh, And those values then returned to normal in the long-term follow-up. But they found... Uh, the cerebral spinal vo- uh, fluid volume continued to increase in one region specifically called the subarachnoid compartments. That's an area that contains a lot of large blood vessels that surround the brain and spinal cord. And the cerebral spinal fluid volume continues to increase there. So th- they have three changes that have been observed. Uh, this is the expansion of these cerebral spinal fluid spaces, an increase in, uh, sorry, a decrease in the gray matter volume, which was short term, and a decrease in white matter volume that was uh, persistent. So knowing that these changes have occurred was going to help with efforts for these long-term problems. 
but further investigation is clearly needed now that you've, you know, yeah. now that this has been spotted and this is clearly an issue, it could be a worry about, you know, these astronauts spent six months in space. Well, for long missions, when you're thinking about in the, you know, in the greater context of if you're going to go to Mars and a mission, maybe three to 10 years, say, uh, what would that do to, uh, to, you know, the brains and cognitions of people that were, were going over there? Or even just what, what if it's Mars. what or if it's just living there? Instant evolution. <laughs> <laughs> well, unfortunately, for instant evolution, uh, you would need to change the uh, germline cells. So uh, you're going to have to have uh, some of your spermatogonia affected. Well, and I there's mean, no evidence for that yet. Well, I mean, there's a lot of information we don't have, Mark. I think <laughs> <laughs> it's like, true like that they haven't done this study because, because once the body goes into space, then you know, the, our DNA kicks in and says, okay, if we're going to be in space now, some changes got to be made. <laughs> and, you know, it happens so fast because, uh, you know, time does not exist the same way in space as it's perceived on Earth. Wait, is so that true? Is this some hard science it's, fiction? It sounds like it might be. It sounds like it might be, though, right? I don't think that's true. Yeah. I don't think is you know it? how evolution works. Probably not at all. But. Well, time, no, time does not, uh, you know, time is not constant across... Uh, the universe yeah, due yeah. to different orbits of planets yeah. and stuff but, but but again we're still going on the sun cycle which is really right. only but, used by but yeah if you're, if you're taking a little trip to the moon uh, you're not going to have so much of a difference in time that right. you would <laughs> <laughs> maybe a second total <laughs> <laughs> um, where were you going with this I don't think I was going anywhere. Okay. <laughs> I, I was trying to sound like I was, but I wasn't. Who's the blind man leading you? Yeah, me, leading me. A, uh, a not blind, but an incapacitated man. Uh, yeah, I was, I was really hoping you would just pick, pick that up and run with it. Yeah. Well, blind man leading a blind cosmonaut. Uh, so, uh, it was a very simple study that they did. Yeah. So, uh, I'm, I'm confident in your abilities to... Let me and Niraj know what exactly they did and for Niraj to offer any interesting insight after you do so. Yeah. They, I think it's time for you to regurgitate it back to us. Well, I think, <laughs> I think they determined that uh, white matter does not regenerate as much as gray matter. In if, this context. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm still stuck on this instant evolution thing. I, I'm pretty sure that's what happened. <laughs> All right, Heather, <laughs> over to you. Yeah, so uh, it seems that there, yeah, there's a, a temporary decrease in the gray matter, but it, it may not be a long-term issue because it did seem to correct itself uh, over seven months. Uh, but the uh, depletion of the white matter uh, might be ongoing. And um, I, I'm assuming at this point they don't know exactly why yet. Um, and then there's also a change in fluid that was temporary except in one location, correct near the spinal cord yeah where it continued to increase afterwards so um i think the lesson is don't go to space uh the lesson <laughs> is know these things before you go to yeah. space in my well, opinion i think for me i i've decided i'm not going to be a cosmonaut after this <laughs> no that's that's fair enough yeah. so did they check anything in the spine like uh the gray matter white matter so i think yes they 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 did image uh yeah both the brain and the spine was a reduction in the spine as well for the so, white matter. So they said there was a global reduction. So uh, okay. so it could it could be part of the reason why they get so much um, muscle muscle atrophy mm. and stuff because if the 
if the white matter is not communicating with the muscle cells, then you could it could be partly the reason. I'm going to have to correct correct myself here because I just looked back at the figure to make sure, and the only thing that they've put on the figure is the brain, so they, oh, okay. they mm. clearly haven't looked at the spine. Okay. Yeah, because um, that would be interesting because mm-hmm. it's very well defined in the spinal cord. Like you have your gray matter region and your white matter on the outside. But, so, it, but if, uh, I mean, if the brain is taking its own measures to further protect the spinal column, that sort of supports the instant evolution theory. <laughs> Just right. trying to protect itself from paralysis <laughs> during space travel. I will, uh, I will throw you a bone here <laughs> about instant evolution uh, because if people are known to, if people generations back suffer significant trauma, there's been uh, evidence that that can be it, it effectively like an epigenetic memory of mm-hmm. that trauma can be passed down. Uh, it was thought originally that all epigenetic marks. So these are marks on your genome, basically chemical marks that have different functions. Mm, on the DNA. On the, on the DNA. Right. It was thought they were all wiped uh, in, um, offspring. In, in the offspring. So but in, basically when an embryo is developing, it's all wiped and then these patterns you know, develop. And that right. is largely true, but there, is actually, uh, there are actually marks that are conserved. So there's this kind of hereditary, uh, another level to hereditariness. That's not a word. Love, <laughs> another level to uh, pass hereditary heredity. <laughs> yeah, that's it. To, that's that, the one. That's the one, Mark. That's the one. <laughs> to, to that um, that wasn't previously known. So there you go. There's your instant evolution. Maybe being in space is such a significant trauma, it could be passed down. Okay. Well, I mean, my first step is to contact uh, Webster's Dictionary to get hereditary heredity <laughs> made a word officially, and then... You just have to get enough people to use it and they'll add it. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Yeah, I think Melty is in there. (laughs) As it should be. (laughs) There you go, listeners. Challenge. (laughs) (laughs) Get it in the dictionary. Get it. Hereditary arity. Yep. All right. Hereditary arity. With that pause. (laughs) (laughs) Almost like you don't know what you're saying. <laughs> that just means it's working. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so that is a good point for us to uh, bring a close to proceedings today and uh, move on to giving you a chance to spring some knowledge back onto me. Uh, so, I, of course, I ask all my guests to bring a fact with them. Uh, Charlie, can you start? Uh, do you have a fact for us today? Yes. Uh, statistically, if you uh, see two women walking beside each other down the street, the one with darker hair will be closest to the curb. Statistically? Yes. I'm going to look that straight up. That yeah. is fascinating. And what, uh, is, there any, is any explanation given? Uh, it's just some really subtle psychological thing. Hmm. The one with darker hair. Ooh. I've heard something similar. Yeah. And does it make a difference if it's dyed or natural? I, I wouldn't think so. Mm-hmm. Further study needed. Yes. <laughs> Someone fund that study. <laughs> yeah. So if yeah, what what she what what Heather's saying is basically, if you see two women walking <laughs> down the street and the one with lighter hair is closest to the curb, check their pubes. Oh God, <laughs> Jesus! They will object at first, but it's for science. So <laughs> you're sounding an awful lot like a Supreme Court justice right now. <laughs> I'm uh, qualified. <laughs> it's for science. Why are you spraying mace in my eyes? <laughs> yeah. I've heard something similar. Like if you see two girls walking down the street 
statistically they've both rejected me <laughs> <laughs> oh that's good <laughs> and uh heather do you have a fact for us today to talk okay well uh, i did not prepare a fact p- personal so, fact. Uh, yes personal fact i have touched some celebrities how many celebrities? Ooh, it's hard. I've touched. I've touched. Um, Dimitri Martin. Oh, <laughs> was it the nose? Speaking like a was Supreme Court justice. Yeah. <laughs> this tell was me when was he was nose. single. <laughs> I, did, was I did not touch his nose. Oh. He actually, I, I posed for a picture with him after his sh- his show at the Fillmore years ago, and he put his arm around me, and it felt very nice. And he told me that I, I was very fashionable. And I reminded him of the well-dressed women in New York City. Oh, high praise. Yes, yes. Um, I tried to touch Sean Penn, but did not succeed. (laughs) uh, Very few people do. (laughs) He came into the grocery store I was working at in Marin. And um, I... I worked in the vitamin department, but I pretended to be a grocery bagger and I tried, <laughs> I tried to bag his um, newspaper and chicken salad, but he said, no, thank you. And his heart. Was that, <laughs> euph- yeah. was that a euphemism? <laughs> no, <laughs> that is what he was purchasing. Uh, I have touched Philip Oakey of the human league, Aww. which is my and, favorite band. And he has touched us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I say? told him the Human League was my favorite band, and he looked at me and he said, "Really?" <laughs> <laughs> you should have gone up you to him. You aimed low. <laughs> should have gone up to him and said, "Don't you want me, baby?" <laughs> yes, I'm assuming at the time you were working as a waitress in a cocktail bar. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when he first met you. <laughs> they do have other songs. <laughs> do they? Though? <laughs> yeah, do they? <laughs> That's great. Well. uh Thank you both for coming on the show. I, of course, do give our guests the opportunity to plug anything that they've got going on. So, Heather, first of all, would you like to... Uh, yeah, I've got a couple things to plug. Uh, one, I host a free trivia night at the P&H Cafe. It's every Tuesday night at 7.30. And uh, there's no sports round so that nerds can play and have a chance of winning. Because <laughs> oh. I'm not the sports kind of nerd. I'm the Star Trek kind of nerd. So, uh yeah, <laughs> maybe I'll, maybe I'll go. I know nothing about American sports, so that kept keeping me away <laughs> yes, from trivia yes. nights. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you'd have a chance. Uh, and then also, we do have a free book club that meets at Two Rivers Bookstore in Cooper Young the fourth Thursday of every month from six to seven p.m. Very nice. Uh, and you, Charlie, what have you got to plug? Uh, Anything community based or just your own personal? (laughs) Well, uh, (laughs) kind of community based. Uh, In November, uh, I will be performing in Birmingham, in uh, Huntsville, Alabama, and Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And just the jealousy on your face right now, Mark says it all. Yeah, it does. (laughs) It does. Uh, Well, thank you very much, both of you, for for taking part in the show, for allowing there to be humor, for allowing there to be science. Doctor. <laughs> and Doctor. Uh, from us, that's all. Yeah, thank you. Good night. Dr. Heckle is an OAM Network production recorded at the Cross Don Concourse in Memphis, Tennessee. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and theoamnetwork.com. Your host was Mark Brimble. Guests were Heather C. and Charlie McMullen. Music by Kip Yulhorn. The show is produced by Mark Brimble, Hunter Sandlin, and Gil Worth. Special thanks to Lauren Riggins and the Surf Memphis Podcast. 
You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you have any questions, comments, or would like to get in touch about appearing on the show or topics you'd like us to cover, email us at drhecklepod at gmail.com. TheOAMNetwork.com Power to the podcast.